While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. This is Moving Through Georgia, and today we're going to talk about a facet of religious worship that has taken place in North Georgia and may still be happening today. And we're talking about churches in which people handle snakes. I'm not making fun of anyone, and of course these people have the right to worship in any way they choose, and they certainly are not pushing it on people. It's not like they're forcing anyone to do it. It's a very different episode than I've ever done before, and it reflects a few months of reading and listening to sermons and generally trying to wrap my head around the phenomenon. The email address is movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com, and if you would like to contribute something or comment, I would love to hear from you. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. George Hensley was raised a Baptist in Tennessee. It's not sure, but he was born around 1880. At about 21, he left the Baptist church and moved with his wife to Ultawa, a town near Chattanooga. He dug coal there and may have worked for some local moonshiners, and he tried to live a good Christian life. In particular, Hensley seemed to focus on the passage in Mark that we heard a moment ago. The Bible, and this is Mark, after Jesus has been resurrected and before he goes to heaven, the Bible specifically says that a saved person or a follower of Jesus can be identified by some signs. Driving out demons, speaking in tongues, healing the sick, but also picking up dangerous snakes and drinking poison. Okay, so let's just take a step back and look at these five signs. The Bible pretty clearly credits Jesus with curing disease and driving out demons. In Matthew 10, he specifically charges his followers to cast out unclean spirits and heal the sick. And at least twice, even after Jesus is gone, the apostles come across other religious people who are driving out demons, some even in Jesus' name. Hensley founded the Church of God with signs following, mostly in Tennessee and Kentucky. He did die after being bitten by a snake in Florida, but his followers continued the tradition. The Church of God with signs following developed alongside some other Pentecostal churches that had also begun snake handling. I did ask at Bible study once about speaking in tongues. I knew the story of Pentecost. That was when 120 followers of Jesus were together in Jerusalem after his death and tongues of fire came down to rest on them. Each person who had been touched began speaking in another language. Now, in that case, some observers from different nations were in attendance and commented that the apostles were speaking in their particular language. God was clearly readying them to go out and speak to the world. There are other instances where Peter and Paul baptize new believers, which causes them to speak in tongues. It doesn't say whether they're speaking established languages or something different. 
These events form the basic foundation for several churches, and I know there's more to it, but for our purposes, this general overview will work. And please don't think I'm denigrating or, you know, making fun of any churches. This is actually a fascinating subject that does have a connection to North Georgia. Just before going up to heaven, Jesus tells his followers that John baptized with water, but they will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, meaning those tongues of fire. Now, moving down that list, poison is used to describe evil a few times in the New Testament, but nobody ever actually sits down and drinks a cup of it. I can imagine, however, that poisonings were an occasional hazard in New Testament times, definitely more so than today. Food could go bad and become dangerous. People might get their hands on the wrong ingredients. At the very least, people might become ill drinking water from lead pipes. But then, there is the story of Paul and the snake. Paul is traveling to Rome when his ship is wrecked. The people of the island he washes up on gather the survivors and start a fire to warm them up. Paul takes up a bunch of sticks to throw on the fire and is bitten on the hand by a snake. It's described as a viper or venomous snake. The islanders assume that Paul was a criminal who should have died in the shipwreck and that God was just tying up this loose detail by sending a snake to kill him. He doesn't die. He actually picks up the snake and tosses it into the fire. And while spending a few months on the island, Paul lays his hands on the sick islanders and heals them. So we do have some sort of biblical confirmation for four of those signs. Here's an important point though, and this is brought up very often when people are speaking against the idea of handling snakes in church. Peter and Paul didn't walk around Israel seeking out people to heal or demons to cast out. Those instances were incidental to their main mission of preaching about Jesus. Paul didn't go around looking for a snake to pick up. There aren't many instances in the Bible where people put God to the test and they are rarely encouraged to. Most people who have a problem with that particular verse or that list in Mark will say that even though those signs will appear in someone who has been touched by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean they have to go out and look for opportunities to do it. Those opportunities will be put in their path. So that's a lot of theory and a lot of theology. Let's talk about something a little more practical. There is a description of a church service of that type in one of the Foxfire books. This service goes on for five hours between sermons and testimony from parishioners along with music, collective prayer, and that moment when the box of snakes comes out. And yes, sometimes someone will produce a vial of strychnine or arsenic and drink it. People do get bitten by snakes in the process, and this isn't necessarily failing the test of faith. In some ways, being bitten brings the test to a higher level. The victim and their friends will pray for their recovery, with their faith in God hopefully prevailing over the use of antivenom. Some die, but some recover and find the experience strengthen their faith. In 1941, at a service in Adele in Cook County, a six-year-old girl was bitten by a snake and died. As a result, the practice of snake handling was made illegal. Handing a person a snake was considered an assault in the eyes of the law. However, it was still legal to voluntarily pick up a snake yourself. 
That law was repealed in 1960, but you do need a permit to bring snakes into a church for the purposes of handling them during a service. A sign saying, the church of God with signs following, doesn't automatically mark a congregation as snake handlers, but two churches known by that name do come from North Georgia, and they're both in Bartow County. There is some documentation on the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ in Kingston and Wade's Chapel in Cartersville. Three members of those churches are known to have died from snakebite. Neither has much of a presence on the internet, and I can hardly blame them. Even publishing their phone number would probably lead to endless calls and unwanted spectators for every service. I tried calling around, and I talked to some people, and someday I am going to just jump in the car and go looking to see if either of those churches are still active. But if a listener knows the status of either church, I'd appreciate the information. I don't plan on attending or encouraging others to attend, I'm just curious if those congregations have survived. What with snakes behind the altar, I don't think COVID would be that big an issue for such a church. I do know that known Church of Gods with signs following parishioners is below 3,000 nationwide. Another thing that is specific to these churches is the music. It's described as a type of church rockabilly. The son of a prominent pastor of the movement says the music guides people into the snake handling. When you're listening to a good song, you just want to get in it. As I've always said, Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast mostly focusing on Northeast Georgia, but occasionally wandering further afield. If you have a friend or a relative who's into local history but just doesn't do podcasts, consider buying them a book. There's a link in the show notes. Step right up and swing them, boys, swing them mighty high. That's the way we do it down in Georgia. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right and left walk on your heel and toe. From an a deputy gal to Georgia. That's all.